0: Thanks for tuning in to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that you're blessed and encouraged to walk out the gospel as you listen to this message. Man, it's so good to see you all. There is nothing like the Church of Jesus Christ worshiping together. There's just nothing like it. I, I tell you what, I just had moments uh, in worship today as I heard you lift your voices and your shouts and your, your hands, and it was just this beautiful moment, and I'm so thankful that we have it. I want to thank you all for being so understanding and how we have uh, kind of tried to accommodate everybody with reservations. Who would have thought you'd make a reservation to go to church? Uh, you know, we've had most people are so thankful for it, a couple people not so thankful for it. But uh, bless them. Uh, I want to reiterate the reason why we do it, and that's because we, uh, prior to all of the last few months, we had zero seats almost available in all of our rooms. And so by doing reservations, it allows us to not have hundreds of people lined up outside waiting to get in and not able to find a seat. How many are thankful for that? So uh, we're, we're glad that we're doing this for the season. Can't wait till that is over. So... Man, I feel like the Lord's given me something special for today. Um, I was hanging out with my girls a few weeks ago around our dining dining room table, our dining room, dining room table. And uh, we were just playing some games and hanging out. And uh, we were talking about how excited we were to go to some friend's house that they have a lake house and they'd invited us down. And so we were going to go down to the lake house and. And, uh, my, my middle daughter, Emmy, who's 12, she said, man, I wish we had a lake house. And I said, yeah, wouldn't that be so awesome? I said, yeah, it's so fun, but I'm, I'm so pumped to go. And Ruby, our eight year old, she chimes in. She goes, well, we kind of do. And I kind of said to her, I'm like, what do you mean? And she, she pointed her finger out the front door, uh, our front window to this picture right here, they're going to put up, uh, to this and, uh. She said, we kind of do. And I said, what do you mean? And she pointed out to this, this very small pond that's about 50 feet out from the front of our house. And she says, we kind of have a lake house. And uh, I said, uh, uh, you know, really? And, uh, I, you know, honestly, calling this even a pond is being generous. It's, it's more of like a swamp that fills up and then, uh, you know, goes dry. Um, but I just started laughing and she looks at me like, why are you laughing? This is not funny. And I, I just, so I started laughing some more. I said, Rubes, I love how you think. I love how you think we have a lake house. I love how you see. And, uh, I've been thinking about that little, you can take it down if it's still up there. We don't need to see that any longer. Um, I've been thinking about that little conversation we have had ever since. Um, How I saw a swamp, Ruby sees a lake house. I saw a swamp, Ruby sees a lake house. And I I have to tell you, I'll be honest with you. If we ever go to sell our house, I'm pretty sure we're not going to be able to list it as a lake house. Right? But but I love the childlike wonder of how Ruby saw. And I've been thinking about this, that how we see... Impacts everything. How we see impacts everything. And I'm calling the title of this message this morning, What Do You See? What Do You See? And I believe that the Lord has something really special for us today. So if you would turn with me in, in your Bibles to the book of Numbers. And we're going to be in chapter 13 today. The book of Numbers is filled with the story of God's people, the children of Israel. Wandering in the wilderness as you, you know, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years before they got to go into the promised land. And back in Genesis, the Lord spoke to Abraham and he said, he told him that he had a land for his people and that land that he was going to give them was what they said was flowing with milk and honey. And that represents that this land that was going to come to the children of Israel was a land of provision It was a place of protection and it was going to be a place of abundance. So here we are in numbers 13 and Israel, the children of Israel are standing literally on the edge of entering into that promised land. The Lord had brought them out of Egypt through the wilderness and now they're standing literally at the land of Canaan and the promised land is right in front of them. And he's told them this land is yours. And in Numbers 13, we'll start with verse 1. We're going to kind of work through the chapter this morning. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. And then the Lord specifically, he tells Moses, he says, I want you to send one man. I want you to send one leader from each of the tribes of Israel and I want them to go out and I want them to scout out the land, spy out the land. Now, guys, these were not like Tom Cruise Mission Impossible spies. Okay, These were not like your Jason Bourne spy. These, these weren't like the spies that Joshua sent out to scope out Jericho. These were actually just a representative, a leader, an elder of all the different tribes. And so Moses does what God tells him to do. And, and he goes and he sends these guys off and he says, look over the land See what the land is like. Assess the people that are in the land. Are they big? Are they small? Are are the cities camps or are they like fortified with walls? Check out the soil. How many know if you're going to move into a new land and and you're going to raise your own food? You know, it's important that the soil's good. Check and see what the soil is like. Is it rich? Is it barren? He tells them, be of good courage and bring back samples of the produce of the land because I want to try it it's grape season, bring back some grapes. So these 12 leaders, they go, they spy out the land as Moses commanded them. And they arrive at this valley, it says of Eshcol. And it says they cut off a branch with single clusters of grapes. And the grapes are so big that they have to have two guys, you know the story, have two guys sling them over a pole to carry them back. They're that big. How many say that's some big grapes? I'd like to grow some grapes like that. It'd be amazing. And it says that after 40 days of scouting, that they returned home and they are ready to report all that they saw. And we're going to pick it up here in verse 26 and we're going to read together. Here we go. It says, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them The fruit of the land. And they told him, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we see the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, we'll just jump through it. The Canaanites, they dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. So what their report is, they're saying, hey, this land that you're giving us, it's really good. But it's really dangerous. It's really dangerous. It's a dangerous place. The the people who live there are really big and they're really dangerous. And they start bringing the news of all that they saw. And it's not a good report. It's not a good report in verse 30. I love this. It says, but Caleb, who was one of the 12 quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it. For we are well able to overcome it. And I just have to tell you, Caleb would be my boy. <laughs> Caleb would be my buddy. How many, w- how many would like a Caleb in your life? Caleb would be the guy I want in my life. When, when the bad report comes, Caleb's like, Hey, Hey, yeah, I saw it. I saw it too, but it's no problem. We got this. It's no problem. We got this because God's got this. How many know that if God's got this, we've got this. That's great grammar, right? Yeah. If he has it, we has it. it. You can quote me on that. Not online though. Don't put it out there. <laughs> He's saying, no matter how big or how many the enemies are, if the Lord said, "Take the land, you can take the land. No matter what's, what you're seeing, if the Lord says it's our land, it's our land. If the Lord says it's yours, it's yours." It doesn't really matter what I see in front of me. He says, "If as long as I can see what my Father's seeing, I'll be OK. And he said this, it's ours, so let's go up at once. But he had to quiet the people. How many know sometimes you have to quiet the people? How many know sometimes you have to quiet the voices around you? This is a moment where we have so many voices and I believe it's also a moment where we have to quiet some of the voices. Sometimes we have to quiet our own hearts as well because the voice inside of us gets so loud that isn't the voice of the spirit. It's the voice of the noise around us. And sometimes we have to quiet the voices. Verse 31, it goes on. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. So we've got opposition here to the word that Caleb's bringing So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report. Can we all say a bad report of the land that they had spied out saying the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. I want to say that again. And there we saw the Nephilim and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers and we seemed to them. (laughs) I want to say that again. We seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers and so we seemed to them. This is the mindset. This is the framework of the report that they are bringing back to Moses. We are not able... We are not able, they are stronger than we are. Have you ever said those words before? We saw the giants, we saw the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves, and we seemed to them, seemed, S-E-E-M-E-D, the word see is in there, we seemed to ourselves, we seemed to them like grasshoppers, we seem so small. We seem so small. Grasshoppers were the were the smallest edible creatures in the ancient world. So that's not a very good comparison. It's not who, wa- who wants to be eaten up, right? Who wants to be devoured? They literally believed that they would be eaten alive. And here lies the problem with the report. I want to say this to you today. The root of the problem with the report was in the seeing. The, re- the root of the problem with the report was in the seeing. We see ourselves. We see ourselves. We see what we aren't. We see who we aren't. We see what we can't do. We see what our abilities would never allow us to do. That's how we're seeing. We're seeing ourselves. We're seeing ourselves and we see the problem as well. We see the problem is so big. We see the problem is so great. We see the problem is so huge, but they weren't seeing who he was in the midst of this. And they couldn't remember what he said because they couldn't see. This is how they missed it. Church, I want to just say to us today in the moment that we're in, I believe that this is how we can miss the moment we're in too. That there's this cycle in a moment where we're called to do something. Where we're called to step out into new places. Where we're called to take land. That when we start focusing on ourselves, thinking about what we aren't, a cycle begins to happen in us. We see our limitations. We see what I'm not. And then we start seeing the greatness of the problem around us. And then it cycles. And then before we know we've talked ourselves out of what God told us. We think about all the promises in the word of God. We read them and we say, yeah, our spirit comes alive. But then we start looking at ourselves. We start seeing what we aren't. And then we start seeing the obstacles around us. And all of a sudden we forgot what he said. This is what is happening in this moment here. This cycle and this breakdown happens. The breakdown happens in the seeing. And most of the time... It isn't so much what we're seeing, the issue is in who we're seeing. It's in who we're seeing. And that's exactly what giants want to do. They tell you you're too small. They tell you you're not strong enough. They tell you you can't. They tell you you won't. They they tell you you're not big enough. You're not powerful enough. Use intimidation. Have you ever experienced giants like this in your life? I'm not trying to glorify the giants, but I'm asking you, have you experienced giants like this? They try and intimidate you. Intimidation is happening right now. You won't be able to overcome. The opposition is just too great. And it makes you question, did God really say that even? Did God even really say that? Is that what he really meant? Is that what he really meant? And this is what the enemy does. That's what the voice of the stranger does that Jesus says happens comes to lure our ear. The stranger comes to lure our gaze away to fixate your eyes on you and fixate your eyes on a problem. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy everything in sight and make us feel like little bugs. Hmm. I'm feeling this. This message is for Josh Thompson as well, just so you know. I'm preaching to you and to myself today. Amen? But the enemy loves to consume God's people with low self-esteem. The enemy loves to consume God's people with the idea that we are powerless in any given moment, helpless, hopeless. These things kind of start to begin to set in. Sometimes initially they're really subtle, but then they begin to break in because if we get our eyes fixed on ourselves, it means our eyes will not be fixed on him. If I get my eyes fixed on the problems around me, which is easy to do right now, my eyes cannot be fixed on him because I cannot be fixed in two places. And this is what's happening here in this passage. Fear, doubt, unbelief has consumed them. They only could see what their natural eye could see. And what they saw consumed their thoughts where they actually couldn't see that the Lord had promised them the land anymore. Fear does this. Fear makes you do crazy things. Fear, fear makes you not be able to see straight or think straight. And when you don't see right, you don't think right. And it can make you forget who God is in a moment. It can make you forget who you really are. And it can make you forget who you're really called to be when fear has its way. I believe today the Lord is breaking off a spirit of fear off of people in this room, in the other room online today that we didn't even know that it was there. But the fear has come in slowly and all of a sudden it's turning us into our, our, our little grasshoppers in our minds. I believe he's breaking that off. His love, his goodness is breaking in today, church. The next verse, verse one of the next chapter, chapter 14 says this. It says, so this is what the report is there they giving this report and then it says, then all the congregation raised a loud cry and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. That's what we usually do when we don't like something. We grumble against a leader. Yeah. <clears throat> the whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would that we had died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones are going to become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. (laughs) Because we always think if we have a different leader, it's going to get fixed. (laughs) Have you watched history? (laughs) Some things get fixed. Some things don't. Right? Fear intimidates. Fear is deadly. It's deadly. Its assignment is to make you want to go back. Have you ever realized this about fear? The assignment of fear is to make you want to go back. It actually gives you amnesia about where you left. Fear gives you amnesia about the place that you left. I want to assure you today, and I don't know, I don't glorify the works of the devil. I want to glorify Jesus. I want to fix my eyes on him. But I want to tell you and assure you that there are assignments, real assignments of fear and intimidation that have been sent to keep you from stepping into who you are called to be. It's just the truth. You know, I I tend to just not think about that at all until you have a moment where you come into the realization there is warfare over my life. There is warfare over our lives. I want to tell you there are real assignments to intimidate you to hold you back. And most of the time they're very subtle and not very obvious, but there are assignments to hold you back from entering into who you're called to be. I heard this quote Years and years ago, and to be honest with you, I never really gave time to think about what it even meant. I kind of just heard a little soundbite or read it somewhere, but it was by Chris Valatin, And he said this, he said, the dogs of doom stand at the doors of your destiny. When you hear them barking, you know, you're near your promised land. I want to just say that again. I I, literally, the Lord reminded me of that. I don't even know how in the last week. And all of a sudden that came to my mind. I was like, this is what he was talking about. The dogs of doom stand at the doors of your destiny. When you hear them barking, you know, you're near your promised land. Church, have you ever heard those dogs barking? (laughs) Have you ever heard those suckers howling? I have. Some of you might feel like those, those dogs are howling right now. I want to encourage you today that they howl the loudest when you're closest to your promised land. That's not just Pentecostal hype. That's the truth. They howl the loudest when you are at the, at the door of your promised land. They bark the loudest when you're stepping into promise. I've experienced this in my life and it's disorienting because it feels like the opposite should be happening when you're walking into something good. Have you ever been walking with the Lord, walking into a place that he's calling you to walk into and all of a sudden things just begin to man obstacle after obstacle press. You're like, what am I doing wrong in this mindset that like, if I'm doing what's right, things should be going well. If I'm doing what's right, if I'm stepping into where God is calling me to, it should be easy. Church, have you seen what happened to Jesus? Have you seen what happened to the disciples? I mean, this, this idea that, that this, this Christianity does not come with difficulties and troubles is a false gospel. Church, I want to tell you today, when we are stepping into new places, there will always be opposition, but there will always be grace and power and anointing to step into them. It can be disorienting. Jesus even said it. He he warned us. He said, hey, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But he said, take heart. I have overcome the world. Just say the difficulty, the resistance that you're facing. I want to encourage some of you today. the, The resistance and the difficulty that many of you are facing right now to get you to stop, to quit, to roll over and just lay dead. The giant, whatever it might be, that's trying to scare you out of where you're going and to and to convince you to not believe what the Lord has spoken to you. It's barking so loud because you're a child of promise. It's barking so loud because you're a child of promise and you're taking ground and you're stepping into a greater measure of who you were made to be and to release who you were made to be. Church, I hope this is encouraging you today. I believe this is for us. I believe this is for us. We see it here in the children of Israel and it's just come alive. I wasn't even reading in numbers and I was on a prayer walk and the Lord said, Joshua and Caleb. And I just went and I just began to read through it. And I began to just hear him say this for us today. The dogs of doom were barking so loud at these, at the children of Israel in this moment. They're going nuts. In fact, they're barking like crazy, kind of like my dog does when, when, you know, it sees a raccoon or a possum or anything that's on our property. It's he'll just start barking, you know, and, and that's, that's what is happening here. Fear intimidation. It's cruel to the point that so strong, the fear overcame them so much that they, they, they wish that they had died in Egypt, that they wish that they had died in the wilderness. Because now they're afraid that the the land that the Lord's promised them is where they're going to die by a sword. And because they're so consumed by fear and they're so consumed by doubt, they begin to question the goodness of God. They begin to question the character of God. Has this ever happened to you in in a cycle of difficulty, in a cycle of setbacks, in a cycle where there are giants surrounding you, where you begin to question the goodness of God? This is what they're doing. The character of God is in question because of the report that they were hearing because of what the 10 spies saw with their eyes. But what they don't realize is that they're at the door of their promised land. Literally literally at the door of the promised land. And I believe right now in many ways for us church, I believe that we're at the door of such promised land right now. And the dogs of doom are barking like nuts, but it's only because we're on the verge of great outpouring, awakening and harvest of the kingdom of God. I believe that with my whole heart, there is nothing else that makes sense about this moment, except that we are coming to a place of great need in the Lord. And I believe that church is coming to that place where we say, God, we've got to have you. I believe that this is that moment. The dogs of doom are barking over our nation, over the nations, division, all the things. There's such barking going on, but I believe that this is a moment where God is going to pour out his spirit in a great way. Could we just even right now, I wasn't going to do this. Could you just give the Lord a shout of praise for that? Could we just say, yes, Lord? We welcome the awakening. We welcome the outpouring of the Spirit of God on our land. We invite you to break in and power in our land, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. We welcome you. We welcome the harvest that's coming. Welcome you. Verse five. It says, "Then Moses and Aaron it says they fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel." Of course they did. What else is there to do in the moment? What else is there to do in a moment like that, but hit the floor? Church, sometimes I want to tell you, you got to hit the floor. Sometimes you just got to hit the floor. Sometimes you got to fall on your face and cry out to God on behalf of what is going on. Have many of you done that? I know many of us have done that. There's a time to hit the floor and cry out on behalf of your nation. We are in that moment right now to call out on the name of the Lord to come and heal our land. And it's not a crying out as an orphan or with disbelief. It's a crying out, believing for the promises of God to be released. We cry out as sons of God, daughters of God. Verse 6, it says, Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephena." If I was named that, I would just go with Jeff. <clears throat> that was kind of funny. <laughs> who were among those who had spied out the land. It says they tore their clothes. Sometimes when you got to get people's attention you just got to tear your clothes. I'm just kidding kids, don't do it. <laughs> said to the congregation and the people of Israel is actually what they did to grieve. They were grieved by what was happening in this moment. The land which we passed through to spy it out. <laughs> Joshua and Caleb are saying this now. The land which we passed through to spy it out. Is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us. He will bring us into this land. And he will give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel. Against the Lord. And do not fear. The people of the land. For they are bread for us. Their protection. Is removed from them. And the Lord is with us. Do not Fear them. That's a good word, isn't it? And then it says all the congregation said to stone them with stones. (laughs) But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. What a scene, right? What a moment. How many are thankful for the glory of the Lord appearing? I'm like, come on, glory of the Lord. How many know, though, that whenever just because you're bringing good news, people still want to stone you. (laughs) <laughs> we see that on Facebook daily. <laughs> that was supposed to be funnier than you laughed, but don't worry. I'm not going to talk about Facebook. Okay. Joshua and Caleb though, they passionately raise their voices and the vo- their voices are full of hope. Their voices are full of, they're like, guys, it's the land is so good. The land is so good where we're going. God gives good gifts to his kids. This is my language now of what they're saying. We've seen it with our eyes. He's given it to us. Just don't rebel against God. Just don't rebel against Him and don't be afraid of those people. What a word. I feel like that's a word for us today. Don't rebel against God and don't be afraid, and you'll take the land. Walk in righteousness, walk in obedience, walk in righteousness, walk in obedience. Walk in trust and do not fear and the land will be yours. Moses, I won't read it all. He goes on. He intercedes for the people. You've heard the story. Ask God to forgive them for what they're doing and what they're saying. According to his great love, God answers. God answers his prayer. He forgives them. But he tells Moses, he says this. None of these men who've seen my glory and the signs that I did in Egypt And who have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I'm giving them. And what was to literally be a journey of days turned into 40 years of wandering because they believed the wrong report. They believed the wrong report. But this is what God says to Moses in verse 24. He says this, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit. Can we say different spirit, different spirit and has followed me fully. I will bring him into the land which he went and his descendants shall possess it. Wow. Caleb has a different story. Caleb's a different story. Caleb's a different story. What a powerful line. He is a different spirit. He is a different spirit. He follows me fully. He is a different spirit and he follows me fully. What does a different spirit look like? I think as we look at Caleb here, we're seeing a man that's that's full of vision, right? He saw the land as a possession that God had given to his people. The other 10 saw it in the natural. Caleb saw it in the spirit. Caleb saw what the others couldn't see Saw it in the spirit. He saw what the others couldn't see. He was a man of faith. This different spirit looks like being people of faith who didn't fix eyes on obstacles. The obstacles were real, but he believed God was more real. We don't pretend the obstacles aren't there. We're just more aware of him than the obstacles. Caleb was more aware of God than he was of the giants and he persevered. That's another one. What is a different spirit? Look, like? he's a perseverance. He had, he'd been in slavery in Egypt. He'd been surrounded by the negativity. He'd been surrounded by the, by the murmuring and the grumbling, but he pressed into what God had said and he persevered and he was full of encouragement. How many right now know it's an, a time to be encouraged It's a time to stay encouraged, where our spirit stays encouraged. To stay encouraged, you have to quiet the voices around you. To stay encouraged, you have to silence the voices around you. If you're watching more news than you are praying, I'm telling you, you're going to be full of fear, you're going to be confused, you're going to be hopeless. And I'm not railing against anybody. I'm just saying, I know how addicting it can be when I read news. Sometimes it wants to pull me in and I have to say, no, 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 no. I'm paying attention to the spirit of God that's in me and my spirit is starting to feel discouraged. I want to strengthen myself in the Lord, encourage myself in the Lord so I can see what he's seeing. Yeah, that's a good word. I'm going to close in just a couple of minutes here. Tyler, you can... Come up. But here's what I feel like in all this that the Lord is really wanting us to see this morning in our time. It's 12 leaders. They're sent to go. Get this with me. They see the same land, they see the same dangers. They see the same enemies. They see the same giants. They all looked at the same landscape. Hear this, guys. And yet, two come back having seen something different. Two come back having seen something different. Two come back with a very different story. Two come back with a very different word. And the story is that they were seeing from what God had said, they were not seeing from what their eyes had seen. Church, this is, this is powerful for us in this moment. The, the other ten came back and reported what they saw in the natural. The two came back and said, yes, those things are real, but I'm seeing from a place of what God has said. Church, I believe that the moment, this moment that we're in, whether it's your personal situation or whether it's our national situation, the Lord is looking for those with a different spirit. This is a moment for the church to rise up in a different spirit. This is a moment for the church to rise up with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living in us, full of faith and full of belief in this moment, seeing from the place of what he sees. This is that moment that we're in. He's looking for those who want to see what he's seeing and who will align their reports, the reports that they're telling with what he's saying. Church, this is an incredible moment for us to align with the report of the Lord. And the report of the Lord is never rooted in hopelessness. It's always rooted in hope. It's always rooted in hope, no matter how, how hopeless it looks around us. The spirit of God raises up hope in us. The God of hope will fill you with all hope in believing. I believe he's looking for a people who will refuse to be consumed with doom and gloom, but who will hit the floor in the place of prayer and who will press in to his presence to see. I understand that there are a lot of giants in the land right now. Some of us are so consumed with the giants though. Some of us have been so fixated on the giants, listening to the reports about the giants that it's getting really difficult to see and to hear what he's saying. I want to encourage you this morning. Get your eyes off the giants. Get your eyes on the Lord and he'll show you what to do about the giants. See, sometimes when we talk like this, people think, oh, that's just, that's just whatever. Oh, they're just ignoring problems. I am not talking about ignoring problems. I'm saying you got to get your eyes off the problem to see him, to see what he's saying. So you can actually know what to do to fix what would happen if the church of Jesus Christ hit the floor, fixed our eyes on Jesus, and actually came back with real solutions to the issues in America? I'm not talking about stepping out of not being a part of that. We should be in every role of leadership in the, in the country. We should be a part of government and, and, and school and education and all the realms of influence in society. But church, we can't go in there with the wrong report. We got to go in there with the right reports. report will we listen to the 10 bad reports that came this is what really hit me too they were from elders and leaders of the 10 tribes but they had the wrong report the majority was wrong The, the minority was right church be careful of the crowd whatever crowd it might be whatever extreme it might be Stay away from the crowd. Get away from the crowd. They, this, they, they followed the wrong story, the wrong report, and they left God out of their calculations. God-fearing leaders left God out of their calculations. Joshua and Caleb saw the inhabitants. They saw the obstacles as things that they would overcome because they were convinced that God's purposes would be fulfilled. It wasn't that they weren't aware of the problems. It's that they were not consumed by them. They were consumed by the word of the Lord. This is a moment for the Joshua's and the Caleb's to rise up into, in the land. I believe to rise up in the church church. The church is to lead the way. Every believer is to lead the way of society. I believe it's a moment for the Joshua's and the Caleb's to rise up, those who have a different spirit and who follow fully after him, full of faith, full of trust of the spirit in the midst of all of the bad reports and the bad news and the calamity and the pandemic in the midst of the barking of the dogs of doom. Oh, that we would rise up. This is what I see. I see a church rising up and really seeing what he is seeing so that we can say and we can do what he is saying and doing. I was thinking about this. Jesus said, I only do what I see. I only do what I see my father doing. He only did what he saw the father doing. Church, we have to see so we can do what he's doing. What if a bunch of the stuff that the church has tried to do over the years didn't work because we actually weren't seeing what he was doing? But now what if we posture our eyes and our gaze to see what he is doing so we will know what to do? stand with me this morning. We're running out of time and I really want to pray over you.